God, in every life here today, let your sweet presence, Almighty God, descend into the congregation. Allow us, O God, to experience your mighty glory, your heavenly power. Heal the sick among us, O Lord, and strengthen the weak and encourage the discouraged. O God, lift up the hands, I pray, that hang down. O God, let heaven's glory rest upon your children. In Jesus' great name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. If you have a Bible, turning to the book of Job this morning, chapter 37. All right, we're here in good old Job 37 and verse 23. I'd like to draw your attention to the first three verses in particular. It starts off by saying, touching the Almighty. And that, my friend, is a great endeavor right there. Touching the Almighty. Okay. I'm going to let you be seated on that. In the New Testament, <clears throat> I would like to turn your attention to Luke chapter 23 and verse 27. Luke chapter 23. We'll begin with verse 27. Luke chapter 23, verse 27. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. I'm thinking this morning that nothing is going to be any more important than like the little woman that Bible said in her difficulty, time of trouble and difficulty, that she, uh, somebody, somebody, or maybe it was the general overall everybody talking about Jesus, that uh, she had gone to physician after physician, she had sought far and wide and some would speculate that she was a woman of means, maybe left an inheritance by her husband that had departed her and predeceased her in death, and um, wound up <clears throat> spending all that she had, but she didn't get any better. Rather, she grew worse, the book said. But there came this day, having heard of Jesus, that she was seized with a great desire that I need to touch him. I need to touch him. And as she made her way, the Bible said, through the press, a multitude of people, as Peter answered the Lord, rather, you know, I don't know, I just don't think he used the best amount of wisdom at that moment, but the Lord being as kind and patient as he is, uh, he kind of overrode it and ignored Peter as Jesus had said, who touched me? And he said, Master, he said, the crowd presseth thee and throngeth around thee, and you say, who touched me? You know, and I'm sure Jesus could have turned and just leveled Peter with a look, much less anything else. But um, one of those times when maybe he's talking when he should have been listening, right? And uh, nonetheless, he missed the signal, but Jesus persevered on and said, no, something has taken place here. Somebody has touched me. I'm not speaking generically. Okay, he said, I'm speaking, in other words, I'm speaking very specifically here. Somebody had touched me, he said, because I felt the virtue go out of me. And so he had stopped, and when he stopped, the whole crowd stopped. And here was this woman trembling uh, before him and basically confessing by body language, if not anything else, that it was she who had touched him. And in touching him, it talked about how that she got a hold of the border of his garment and she 
crossed that border, if you please, and went from the natural realm into the spiritual realm. When you get away from natural, when you get away from another word there, carnal, and when you begin to enter into that realm to where you touch the Almighty, the invisible one who came in the flesh, and it wasn't about the flesh. It wasn't about her touching the flesh here. It was about that Almighty. It was about the Spirit that dwelled in that man, Christ Jesus. That absolutely the virtue flowed like a river, even to the point that up until that point, he himself wasn't aware in his flesh of what was taking place. But in the midst of the crowd and the people and the throng and everybody talking, this little woman makes her way, pushes her way, crawls her way, elbows her way through. Oh, how many things come to crowd your life and your mind and people's opinions and people's ideas and all kinds of organizations and billboards and you name it, friend, in an attempt to get you all kinds of not only discouraged but distracted and looking in different directions and always going in another path doing something. Always got time for those things, but no time for Jesus, no time for his power and his glory. But this day, this woman said, I'm not going anywhere else. I'm going to touch him. I'm going to get a hold of him. I need this. It's gotten to a point of desperation. A point of desperation that motivates us. We get motivated. We get motivated. And uh, I'm quite sure that those of you that are here this morning have had your moment when you felt it was most necessary. I've got to do something. I've tried the traditional things. And I've, I've been uh, distracted by many, many things. And I find myself turning to the right or turning to the left. Until I'm turning in circles, and I'm not able to find the direction, not able to to get what I really have need of. And for you and I to come to a place in our lives to where we, I, that we realize that we need to touch the Almighty. Now the Almighty is a spirit, okay? But He chose to show Himself in the flesh for a period of time, and the Bible refers to it as the days of His flesh, when He chose to inhabit a physical body, and he caused that body, he created that body, he spoke that body into existence. And when he did so, then the Bible said that which was conceived in Mary was of his Holy Spirit. He spoke that word just as he said, let there be sun, moon, stars, and so on and so forth. He spoke that word, and that which was conceived in her was of his Holy Spirit. And after the due course of nature, then Mary brought forth that flesh. And after going to a, a place of residence and inn and being told there's no room, boy, what an opportunity that guy missed, huh? <laughs> Man, he could have hung out the shingle and said, hey, the Christ was born here. Boy, he could have really turned it on in time to come, couldn't he? But he missed the whole thing. No telling what all people miss when they're too busy, when their lives are too full, when there's too many other things that are distracting them and that they think are important at that moment. Let me tell you, you better ask yourself five uh, somebody said five years from now, will it be important? Maybe five minutes from now, is it going to matter? Is it going to be important? Let me tell you, the things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to matter for all of eternity. Not five minutes, not five hours, not 50 years, but all of eternity. Your Bible teaches of a man, a rich man. And a uh, rich man ignored the witness. The rich man ignored the person that was uh, placed in his path and trying to, and, and you know, to the human carnal mind, the witness didn't, didn't look appealing at all. He just, he just did not appeal to the rich man, the rich man who fared sumptuously every day, the rich man who could uh, buy the finest clothing and the rich man that could go to the finest restaurants and the rich man that could ride around in the finest transportation that was available at that time. And now, it, though it has come to the time when it's time to die, because it is appointed unto man once to die. And so the scripture teaches that he died, and he was buried. That's all it said. He died, he was buried. But the witness, by the name of Lazarus, the angels came and gathered him, the book says. And so his, his whole outward countenance that was not very appealing to the rich man now, now Lazarus the witness is encradled in the arms of Abraham. And that was said 
as a way of him to identify because Abraham represented so much to the people of that day. And so here we have him looking from one place to another. He's looking from hell to heaven. And he's uh, suddenly very concerned about things that are spiritual and things that the witness had told him about and tried to shout out to him and tried to get him turned in that direction that he never had time for. He was too busy, too busy pursuing things of this life. And, and now, though, he's concerned. Now he's concerned. Now he wants to pray. Now he wants some of that Holy Ghost river of water of life. Matter of fact, he'd settle for just a, a finger uh, dipped in, in it and touch the end of his parched tongue, for I'm in torment in this place. That, that is begun for all of eternity. I'm telling you something. You don't want to spend eternity regretting, and you will have your five senses. You will remember things, and you will feel things, and you will realize that I had opportunity and time and opportunity over and over and over again and I ignored it and I went too many other directions and I thought other things were important. How much better than Jesus trying to wake people up as he's on his way to the, taking the cross, on his way to Golgotha, the place of the skull, to give what's left of his life. I say what's left because they whipped him and they had beaten him and they had absolutely flayed him alive and pressed a crown of thorns in his head. And he's on his way, and a man is there in the crowd. And they laid the cross on that man, Simon the Cyrenian. And no, you know that guy was like, I don't want to do this. I rather, I didn't come here for this. I was just gawking. I was just caught up in the crowd and, and the music and the throng and the chanting. And, and I wanted to see what was going on. And I, I see him, I see him. He's going to the cross. And suddenly a rough Roman soldier grabs him and says, you're going to bear the cross. And they compelled him. You better yield to that compelling force that's reaching for you to get you involved in the work of God. And what God's doing in the earth in the time in which we live. The time in which we live. Oh, yes, my friend. Very easy to get preoccupied, caught up in so many other things. But it's a whole lot better when you can narrow it down. Somebody said to me this morning, they said, uh, they said well, I'm afraid around 1030 at night I'm, I'm no good. I my eyes just roll back in my head and I'm falling asleep. And I said, well, I said, that's not a problem. I said, just make sure that you're ready at 530 in the morning. And I said, that's when it counts. And they said, that's right, that's right. And I was reminding that person, well, I'm trying to say to you that uh, there are things that you've got to put a, a, a label of importance on. The, on. And you want to wake up to the spiritual things, to the godly things. Here's women, a company of them, a great company of them, and they are and they are weeping and they are lamenting because they're watching him trudge up to uh, Calvary and they're watching him uh, under the strain of it all and they see that he's beaten bloody and they see that there's a crown of thorns on his head and that he's bruised from being punched and everything and, and dripping with sweat and spit because they did spit on him. And, uh, you know, I was told about a... <laughs> I was told about a, a, uh, a young wife, they have, they have one child, uh, haven't been married too many years, and um, I was just recently told that uh, her husband and that her had a miscommunication, and I guess he ran late or something to that matter, and when he got there, she was so upset that she spit on him. Hmm. Yeah. You know, you might want to check your attitude. Matter of fact, sometimes you might want to check your attitude at the door. And, uh, but you might want to, to check your spirit, your attitude, and, and how you speak and how you talk and, 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 and uh, you know, what you're communicating here, what you're giving off, what's coming off of you. And, and I'm telling you, the Scripture is teaching you that Jesus Christ looked at this great company of women and, and, and he said, don't weep for me. He said, you, and he began to give them specific instructions. He said, you weep for yourself. Because, you know, now I would look at a case like that and I'd say, you better weep for yourself, sure enough. Because you're in a mess to have that kind of attitude, to have that kind of spirit and trying to claim Jesus at the same time, you know. And here they were just standing around and trying to put it on, you know, just like one day when they told Jesus in the days of his teaching, during the days of his flesh, and one woman lifted up her voice among the crowd, and she said, blessed is the woman that nursed you. And he said, yeah, 
he said, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And let's get things in right perspective here, in other words. And he, he wasn't going to put up with that natural kind of thinking and, and the way people try to put emphasis and importance on things that don't really matter. What really matters is they said, your crowd stands, your family stands without and, and, he, and, he, and they're seeking for you. And Jesus said, let me tell you who my family is. He said, my family are they that hear the word of God and keep it. That's who my family is. He set the record straight. And he set the record straight with these uh, women, this great company of women. Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you glad he looked beyond the flesh and he saw you? And he saw people from all countries and all races and all backgrounds and all continents. He saw people and he died for them. He gave his flesh for them on that cross. Let me tell you something. He wasn't just going to be oriented to the grass that was under his feet. He lifted up his eyes and stretched out his hands and said, I'm reaching. I so love this world and I'm this flesh is being given as a sacrifice that whosoever believes in me would not perish but would have eternal life wake up to the fact that Jesus Christ is telling you you better start weeping for yourself for your attitude for the predicament that you find yourself in and you better start waking up to spiritual reality and he said and then he hit the clincher he said and weep for your children. Weep for your children. Where are your children? What are your children doing? I don't know if you've heard recently one of the, uh, you know, things have a way of, like a wave cresting. It, it becomes uh, a big deal. And all of a sudden it becomes exceedingly popular. And uh, you know what they say, everybody's doing it. And uh, I know that Recently, I just had come across this thing, what they call the Harlem Shake. And, you know, people are YouTubing. This is the thing. You know, we've got libraries now. We've got all these nice computers in the libraries. And, but the kids aren't in there looking at the books, the good books and the reference books and the study books. No, they're in there on the computers going and getting to YouTube. And people can put look, look like anything on the YouTube, you know. And so now they're, they're beyond the... Harlem Shake. Now we've got this thing going on called twerking. Yeah. And if you're not aware of it, well, I hate to tell you that you need to become aware of it for your children's sake. You need to know, you need to know what's happening. You need to know what's going on. I mean, it's a shame that we have to know evil sometimes, that we have to be exposed to filth sometimes. But he said, you better weep for your children. The things that are coming upon this generation and the generations that will be between now and when Jesus returns. There will be a last generation, but we're not quite there, but we're on the cusp of it. But I tell you, I, I can't help but, but worry and be concerned uh, about what our uh, children that are coming up are going to be facing and be exposed to and be bombarded with. And, and yet we've got people that they just continue to watch television. They just continue to take in all that Hollywood will pump to them and pump to their kids and, and all the different games and all the different uh, electronic medias that they're bringing in every kind of smut and filth and garbage in an attempt to shape or shall we say misshape the heart and the mind of your child. You've got to get in touch with this thing, my friend. You better get in touch with the Almighty first and foremost, touching the Almighty. You better get a hold of Him and say, help me, Jesus. There are things that are taking place all around me. There is an evil that is rising up. I tell you, the Bible spoke and cl clearly about the spirit of Antichrist. But we are coming to the point that it's building, as Jesus said one time when, when Judas came and betrayed him with a kiss, and, and uh, he told the, all the disciples that were there, he said, this is your hour and the power of darkness. The enemy's going to have his moment, church family, and you, you probably will be alive to see this Antichrist, this wicked one, as he begins to uh, bring every, consolidate everything worldwide. Gog and Magog, the scripture said, and he's going out to do battle with the Lord. He's going to convince people to fight against 
God. And I'm telling you, it gets done on a day-by-day basis. It gets done by an idea-by-idea basis. And they keep coming up with more and more junk and more and more filth and more and more garbage as the powers of hell and God. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness in high places. We got to wake up here. Jesus said, don't weep for me. You know, the spiritual person, they're in the know and they're in control. They know where they're at. As Jesus said in one place, he said, I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. And for you to have that kind of direction in your life, that you're not living biting your fingernails, so to speak, and you're not living in doubt and fear and unbelief, but that you have been born again off water and of the Spirit, that you have repented of your sins, You have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and that you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Even as Peter and the other apostles, Mary the mother of the flesh and all the other devout women, how they were sent to an upper room and they were told, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And that became the priority. And they made a trek from uh, Bethany and Mount Olives down to Jerusalem. And there they went to the upper room of the church house. And they begin to praise and they begin to worship him. And how in the world did they set aside seven days? How in the world did they just say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything else. I'm cutting this off and cutting that off and hanging this on there, hanging that on there, saying no to this one and no to that one. I told a young preacher not too long ago, I said, you need to quit traveling so much. I said, you need to stay home and you need to get yourself involved with what God wants to do right where you're at. If you're always gone, you're never going to get it done. And I'm trying to tell you, church family, we can't just be running to and fro, uh, silly-headed and and unwisely. And what did it even talk about? The ostrich in the Bible doing that and crusheth her own eggs because she's traversing back and forth and don't even remember where she buried her own eggs. Let me tell you something. You better know where your treasure's at. You better know what's important in your life. You better put the right label on it and you better say this is what matters this is what counts this is where the emphasis needs to be just like that little woman that touched him that day and and it was healed her problem was taken care of and i'm telling you you touched the master they told us about a a a little old woman in the church just among the congregation and the pastor was he'd been trying to get a good service together and he was his mind was just geared to I want to have a, a really great service and I, I don't want anything to go wrong. Seems like, you know, the lights will flicker or the air conditioner will break or uh, somebody, a group will go off somewhere and won't show up. And different things that just seemed like there was always something. And he was just determined that he was going to get everything ironed out, buttoned down and, and ready to go. And so as they were going through the process of trying to check everything in the coming week, the upcoming week, and getting ready for the service, uh, this little old sister in the church, she began to pray and she began to fast and she began to talk to God. She came in uh, the day before the service and she said, Pastor, she said, I just want you to know everything's going to be all right. And you know, he was sitting there going, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm busy now. We're going to have time for and she said, Pastor, she said, I've touched the Lord. I've heard from him. And he said, well, okay, thanks, thanks sister. Thanks, sister. And she dismissed her, and out she went. And, uh, but, you know, when it came time for that service, and, uh, you know, things started going, and, and uh, all of a sudden, something began to happen that was out of the ordinary. And, you know, the ordinary isn't what we're in, involved with here. We're involved with the extraordinary. We're, in, we're not involved with the natural. We're involved with the supernatural. We, we're looking to touch the almighty. We want the, the hand of God in this place. And so uh, this, uh, there was a, a guy came in, and, and he, uh, he had a, a bad arm. And uh, he sat down on the end of the pew, and he was just sitting there. And uh, he'd never been there before. And and uh, service is going on, you know, and the singing is going, and everything just seems like it's going okay. And, and But yet there was a restraint. And then all of a sudden, the power of God moved through the place, shook it like Paul and Silas when they were in the jailhouse, just shook it, friend. And 
this fella sitting on the end of that pew, all of a sudden his hand went up and his arm straightened out. It was completely healed and everybody pretty much saw it take place. And, and the place just erupted. And, and uh, the preacher remembered what the little woman told him. Let me tell you, church, that's what we're here for. We've got to touch the Almighty. We've got to touch him. We've got to, we've got to get his presence operating in our midst. We've got to bring our minds together. You can't drag in here at the last minute and hope, uh, you know, somehow, no, there's a compelling force that reaches for you to bear that cross and to get it going through this city, get it going through this area, and to become a part, that you, desert, you make a, a, a determined effort. And I'm going I'm to hang some things on a nail. I'm going to uh, get rid of some things. This same um, case that uh, I was thinking about where this, this young lady has reacted so uh, un, unspiritual-like and ungodly-like, um, this same individual, the husband, uh, there was a, a large complaint about him constantly complaining about him playing video games. And uh, it's been, many a marriage is broken up over it, just as many a marriage is broken up over Facebook. Hello. Okay. And uh, so this, uh, this young man, he, he went to the, the pastor, called him in one day, and, you know, everything was, she said, and, and he said, and she said, and he said, and back and forth, and everybody's mad at everybody, and to the point that it escalated to where she's spitting. Imagine that. And so he, <clears throat> he got to working with the pastor. The pastor told him, you need to make some changes. You need to get certain things going here, make some effort, and so we can see a change for the good. And so the, the young man said, all right. So he packed up everything that had to do with his game, and he took it and he gave it to the pastor. He said, I want you to lock this up or do whatever. He said, I, I, got, I, I want it out of my life. He said, I, I got to get away from this. And so uh, the young man started coming to prayer meeting early in the morning. And uh, he started getting more involved in the church when he wasn't on his job. Any, any free time he had, he got more and more involved and uh, made himself available to do things for the, the work of God. And uh, some things, you know, uh, you would say, oh, boy, that's really good. You know, other things you might think, huh, big deal, you know. But, see, sometimes, it's, sometimes those little things are helpful. And uh, the point is that you're involving yourself. And it's like a child, you know, usually the child, uh, you know, gets somewhere around, I don't know, we'll say an average of, of 12 to 15 months, and that child is starting beginning to walk. Well, the child does not run a marathon to begin with, you know. The child begins to take what we call baby steps. And after a while, one step in front of another. And as I told the mother that was worried about a little extra weight, I said, don't worry about it much longer. I said, you're going to be running after him. You're going to lose a lot of weight. <laughs> Trying to keep up because it's not going to be, them baby steps are going to improve. And, and, but it started with the baby steps. And I'm saying to you that those small involvements, those small involvements, that putting one foot in front of another, getting involved in the work of God until uh, the young man got, took the club away from the complainer's uh, mouth because he no longer had the games. He no longer was doing that. Now his time was involved in the right things. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the, the woman that... Um, she was always saying, I want my husband to be saved. I want my husband to be saved. And uh, so lo and behold, the husband got saved. He got baptized in Jesus' name. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. His face was beaming. He was so excited. He came straight home from work, grabbed the television up, threw it in the canal. And she said, well, she said, I, I want him saved. She said, but I didn't want him that saved. I guess she started thinking about those soap operas she wasn't going to be able to watch anymore. You know? So, you know, this isn't about getting comfortable. This isn't about, as one dignitary said, uh, preacher, I'll hear you in a more convenient season. There is no convenient season according to your time schedule. You know, the, the, the man that became the Apostle Paul is trucking down the road, and he's fighting, he's persecuting, he's arguing, he's, he's grumpy, he's, he's just, you know, out of sorts. And, uh, and, he, and he feels empowered to go do what he's doing. And the, and the scripture teaches that, you know, and I have all my ideas that it was a beautiful, bright, uh, blue sky, yellow, sunny day, and that it was just awesome. And uh, seemed like he was just feeling his oats, you know. Pow! He gets knocked to the ground. <laughs> you know, God can just stop you dead in your tracks. 
And he can do it when, you, when it would seem that it was most unexpected. And boy, he got himself a first-class talking to, didn't he? <laughs> and the Lord just, I just could just see the Lord just saying, hey, what's the problem? Why are you, why are you persecuting me? Why are you fighting me? Why are you resisting me? I've got nothing but good planned for you. And, and you've given me a hard time. And, and he's like, who are you? We got Mr. Mr. All the letters after his name. You know, got all the degrees. Got the vanity wall going. No room anymore. So many diplomas up there. And he's like, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. You know, I come from the right family, the right tribe, the right this, the right that. And I'm more zealous than everybody else. I know everything. Who are you? Who are you? He said, well, <clears throat> get ready. He said, um, you know, the Lord has to get you ready sometimes for what he's, he's got to tell you. I'm like that chicken pieard. You know what that is? That's chicken that they take with a, with a club and they beat it real thin. <laughs> I like my pastor, he said God had to hit him over the head with a two-by-four just to get his attention. Well, I'm not sure how it is for you, but, uh, but the Lord has to soften us up sometimes. He has to beat on us a little bit to get us to slow down and listen because he's trying to break through and warn us about some things. I, uh, my wife and I were going down to Fort Lauderdale on a little bit of business, church business, and on en route, uh, we got a flat tire. And uh, I mean, you know, you hate to, and I and they say you stop right away. I always remember the tire guy telling me, "Well, you went too long on the flat tire, and you ruined the whole tire." And so I tried to, you know, just ease it to a stop. And it's not like you know it goes flat and you can just you can't do that. It don't work that way, does it? So you know, I got it. I got it still. And um, they gave me that 800 number, you know, and they said you can call roadside assistance as part of your your lease deal and all of that. And so I called roadside assistance. And four hours later, they came. <laughs> four hours. And they came in this little bitty car. It was a Saturn. And that young man stepped out of that Saturn, and I was like, okay, what's this guy going to be able to do? You know, and I got that little come-along thing in the back, you know, and you get that out, and it's flat, of course. And, they, and then he pulls out this little portable thing, and he starts pumping up a tire and pulls out another little portable jack, and he starts jacking up the car. And uh, I'm out there directing traffic so they don't run this kid over, you know. And uh, I was right there on the entrance to I-75 when it happened. And uh, But, you know, in four hours sitting there, you know, you get to think a lot and you're trying to talk and maybe listen to some music and, you know, trying to keep cool. And, and we just decided, we said, you know, it could have been something down the road that the good Lord is just sparing us from. And we just consoled ourselves with that. And we just decided that our priorities, we rewrote the, the, the list. Number one after four hours was find a bathroom. <laughs> Out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Number two was to get some food, get some nourishment going here. And number three was to go back home. <laughs> Give God a big hand. Come on. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm saying to you that Jesus, going up to Calvary, whipped and bloody, beaten, and absolutely hearing the cries and the wails of a company of women, he turns to them and he said, don't weep for me. And I'm going to tell you, the spiritual person, they know where they're at or they're going to know where they're at in God. There is a confidence, that's why the Bible said, come boldly to the throne of grace. It didn't mean come with a hard face and a smart aleck attitude. That meant come confidently, confidently to the throne of grace. You know who your God is. You know his name above every name. You are baptized in his name. You are part of the family of God. And if you're not, you can be. Quit putting it off. Quit procrastinating. Quit running to the wrong things, chasing the wrong things, hanging out with the wrong crowd, your conversation with the wrong people, and you get caught up in what they think is important. They don't know what's important, but you should know what's important. 
And you need to make sure that you keep that uppermost in your heart. Amen. Keep that uppermost in your heart. What's important? They're the ones that are wandering in circles. When they came out of Egypt, friends, and the Bible teaches that, that uh, Moses was obeying God, every time he turned around, you know, miracle after miracle after miracle, and every miracle was a double miracle, you know, bring the flies, get rid of the flies. Two miracles, you know. Open the Red Sea, close the Red Sea. Every one of them is a double miracle. And uh, having taken all of this into account, all of this miraculous power and what the Bible called a high arm that he led them out by the preacher and he preserved them by the preacher. Things that he did. Plan of God. The way God does things. And in so doing, then the Bible teaches though, among the three million people that came out, a mixed multitude, that, and you know it's always going to be that mixture. So you better decide what consistency here there should be and what you should be a part of. That you want to be a part of that which is loyal and faithful and that you don't get swept up with the wrong spirit from the mixed multitude among us. It's like the woman I told you that she, she saw me at the post office. Well, she saw me. I gave her an invitation, as I'm often doing at the post office. A lot of people in and out of there. And they don't like me so much to put my invitations out, but I just go ahead and put them out anyway. And uh, so I, I gave her one, and she said, Oh, no, no, I, I'm not going down to that church. I said, Why not? And she said, Well, I don't believe in that stuff. I said, What stuff? She said, Well, you know that putting away your husband stuff. And I said, Well, I said, I don't believe in that either, but I said, What, what are you talking about? Well, people down there. You know, you got somebody down there. Just somebody? Just one, I'd be doing pretty good. I said, I said, actually, I said, um, that's what the church is for. You know, church family. Jesus didn't come to save the righteous and the whole, W-H-O-L-E. I had to go down to downtown about uh, church business and had to do a lot with taxes and stuff. And she said, you want to be wholly exempt. And I said, holy, that'd be me. <laughs> but she had the one with the W. Completely, in other words. Completely. And so Jesus didn't come to those that were completely healthy. He, didn't, he came to the sick and to the infirm, to the disease, to the plague. When he uh, saw a woman whose head was down where her feet were, and uh, he, he healed her. They complained. The religious people took issue. That people sometimes just trying to find something wrong or to spin it to be wrong. And they said, well, said, uh, it's the Sabbath day. You ought to be doing that on the Sabbath day. You're talking about people got it all mixed up about what the Sabbath is in the Bible and what it's all about. But I can answer it for you very simply. Jesus is our Sabbath. We're not living under the law. We're living under grace. We're living in the time of the church age, the dispensation of grace. Okay, Jesus is our Sabbath. And it's like um, uh, one sister that I was paying attention to church, and thankfully, once in a while anyway, and said, uh, said that a lady told her, said, oh, you one of them Jesus-only people. She thought for a minute. She said, no. She said, I'm one of those Jesus-everything people. Jesus-everything. Jesus-everything. So Jesus is our Sabbath. He is our rest. This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire, my friend, and you've got to have that. And without that, you ain't going. And I didn't make the rules up. I'm trying to obey the rules. I'm trying to submit myself to the Word of God. I want to do what He says. I want to be obedient to Him. Our flesh does not like to be told. Our flesh does not like you must do this. Our flesh does not like rules. And I'm telling you, in this world, the only rule is that there are no rules. More and more and more. They're, they're knocking down every wall. They're taking down every, uh, there's no out of bounds and inbounds. Nobody wants to hear. Do you know now in school, there's no more zero. Couldn't get a zero if you want to get a zero. Now they give you a 50. I said, well, that's kind of dumb because everybody sees a 50. They're going to know you got a zero, right? <laughs> so what's the difference? 
you know. Either you're going to know what's right or you're not going to know what's right. The, the thing to remember is in the church, the body of Christ, that's to everybody. You can know what's right. You can have what's right. He made the way on the cross for everybody, everywhere. Doesn't matter what color. Doesn't matter what language. Doesn't matter what island. Doesn't matter what country, what continent. He's reaching everybody. Amen. <clears throat> and he is no respecter of persons. He is not partial. The message is the same to everybody. Same to everybody. He said, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. Okay? Of water as opposed to the Spirit. Any water will do. Even G-U-A. You can use their water. Okay? All right. And But it does matter, and it did say, be born again of the Spirit. It does matter there. We don't want just any spirit. You better be careful what and who you identify yourself with, what kind of spirit you're attracting. Be careful about what's going on. And I'm telling you just exactly where I left you off before, and I didn't mean to, but this, this stuff that's going on, this twerking, you better be on top of what, what's happening in our society and what they're trying to get through to your young people, to your children. And Jesus said you better weep for them you better be in touch with your children. You better be in communication with your children. You better keep them under your hand and raise them up the right way by the grace of God. Give to them the things that are scriptural and, and live it in your home. Live it on your job. Live it everywhere you go. Let them know that you as mom and dad, that you are absolutely living a Holy Ghost life, an overcoming life. You're not living a generic Christian life. You're living a very specific Holy Ghost life. A Holy Ghost life. You're born again of water and the Spirit. You have a righteous life. When you get this great plan of salvation in your heart, friend, then you have Romans to Revelation to keep you saved. Okay? We went over that last week. To keep you saved. Romans to Revelation. Now that you're in the body of Christ, here's how to stay in the body of Christ. Now that you're called to be a soldier for the Lord, this is how for you to be a righteous and a good soldier, okay? You don't want generics here. You don't want any old thing we'll do and God will just accept anything. That's you talking. That's your flesh talking. You better understand that God is a very exact God and God wants just what, he wants things done according to the way that he declared it was to be done. He's not going to accept just any old thing and you're not going to show up and just trip accidentally into heaven uh, seconds before you die. That's not going to take place. Do you hear me? You've got to get your mind, your heart on the things of God. You've got to awaken to righteousness. And that's in your Bible, quote unquote, awake to righteousness. And even went on to say, and sin not. It's got to be a repentance. It's got to be a cutting off. It's got to be, I'm not going to do that anymore by the grace of God. By the grace of God. Amen. Amen. And the Lord is here to help us. The writer said, the Lord is my helper. But you know, if you're creating the situation, you're going to find out that your help is going to be at a distance to where, what did it say in one place? They were a stone's throw from where the Lord was at. And one, somebody said one time, that's just a little too far. We, don't, we want to get to where we can, close enough to where we can touch him. And that's what that little woman did. Friend, she, she had to fight her way through a, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of tradition, the way that she was raised, the things that people were saying, the feelings in her own mind and heart, and she had to overcome and press through, and the crowd that was thronging to keep her from getting to where she, uh, you know, the devil can just put all kinds of people in your path, all kinds of circumstances in your path, and you've got to learn how to sidestep those things and get around those things and push through those things and have your mind made up by the grace of God that I'm going to get to him. I'm going to get to him who is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to touch him, touching the Almighty. I've got an, a chance to touch the Almighty. I've got a chance. And, you know, they brought people to Jesus that, and besought him that he would just touch them. It got to the place of the church to where Peter would just walk by and just the very shadow would reach out and touch people and they would be healed. Let me tell you, God is real. God is great. God is mighty. And you've got to tell yourself you want to avail yourself. 
Some people, all they want to do is live online. And they want to, you know, touch the keys that will get them in touch with all kinds of carnal knowledge out there. Instead, you might want to redirect your energies to something that's really going to help you, something that really matters and something that really counts. Because all of the things that people are involving themselves with and interacting with and meddling with, they're going to find out that those things don't matter, they don't count. Let me tell you something, when, you, when, you're, when something goes wrong in your physical frame or in your mind, and all those things that you, the fellow that kicked back and, and uh, said, I'll, my barn is too small. I filled it up with so many things. My barn is too small. I'm going to uh, knock it down. I'm going to build a bigger one. Kicked back and started making plans. Calling in the architect, checking with the, with the city and getting all the permits lined up and and suddenly, had all these big ideas. And suddenly, he didn't feel so good. Because it was a voice of authority that spoke and said, This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. This night. And there's more than one instance of that in the scripture. And these things are there, the Bible teaches, as an admonition, as a warning. For us so that we could be realizing that things can happen and that you know it can happen quickly and so we have an opportunity here to receive the warning of God or just the general warning even and and say I need to get my priorities right I need to I need to get a hold and I need to touch the master I need to touch the Almighty you know I want to Help us all to dwell in the secret place of the Almighty. I want to. I want to get in that place. You know, the Bible teaches that there were uh, men. Maybe there were some women involved. Probably just men, though. And they were. Uh, they were at the cross, at the foot of the cross. They were in the very shadow of the cross. And while they were there. They begin to get covetous. You know, the Bible tells you to beware of covetousness. If, you're, if you get covetous, that means that you want something that you don't have. And even to the point that they're usually spirits run in packs and uh, to where you, uh, you know, discontent is what envy comes from. Envy is born out of discontent, not happy with what you got. You know, the Bible said godliness with contentment. Now you're, uh, now you're on the gain side of the column. It's great gain, great gain. Recognizing the things that are important. These guys were, were in a manner of speaking, they were gambling. They were gambling. The foot of the cross, the Savior that shed his blood, nothing, no place and no time to be gambling. Not at all. That's a time to be recognizing and raising your level of awareness that I, I need to be thinking a little differently here. And they were just all caught up over what they were caught up over, what became important to them. You know, I remember when the, the Yankees were important to me. That was before I got the Holy Ghost. Got a guy over yonder that he does uh, framing of pictures and he does printing and many other things. And uh, I go there for some printing for the church and I've witnessed to him. He's a Jewish man. and uh, Evidently, he was a pretty good ball player in his time. And uh, I think his dad used to take him to the Yankee Stadium all the time. And I guess they were originally out of that area. And uh, he'd, he'd tell me, all of a sudden, he'd go, Hey, I got two tickets to the bars. You want to go? I'd say, no, no. He'd go, huh? He said, they're really good seats. I said, no. And then I'd talk to him about church, talk to him about the Lord. And I'd, you know, your priorities change, church family. You know, when you're trying to put away those silly and foolish things. 
And you've got to fight every day to do that. Because every day the enemy is going to try to introduce into your thinking things that will be taking you. Where is this going to take us? If I get started with this, where is this going to take us? Where is this going to take my children? Jesus said, weep for yourselves and weep for your children. Don't be gambling with this thing. Don't be playing games with this thing. We're living in very dangerous times, the book says. I really used the board today, didn't I? <laughs> Sorry about that. all that effort. No, going to wait. You can take that. We're living in very dangerous times. The Bible said that. Perilous. Use the word perilous. And you know, it said perilous times shall come as a matter of prophecy, but I got news for you. Perilous times are here. And if you're, whatever your age is, whatever your particular place in life is, whether you're a young person or whether you're in the middle, or for those of you that have gotten old, I wouldn't know anything about that. Um, but uh, you, uh, you want to realize that you don't want to, the only thing you want to get caught up in is the first resurrection. You want to you be a part of going with Jesus. You want to be a part now of what the church is doing so you can be a part of what the church will be doing when that trumpet sounds. You want to be a part of that. It's very important to awake to righteousness and to cut off sin for all of us. And it's a daily thing, church family. Romans Revelation is to help you daily. To help you every day, to help you realize that uh, this isn't something that you, you know, the world, the religious world will tell you that once you get this, you could never lose it. Well, I'm here to tell you the religious world is fueled by the wrong spirit, the one that's a liar and the father of it. And he will lie to you, and he will lie to them, and he has, and tell them all to say and to teach all kinds of things that this Bible does not say or teach. And that's why you better realize how precious a commodity it is to have the truth. They said that people have bought gold on paper, certificates, and they're saying that they're, they're, they're trading them in. They're trying to get the real thing because they found out that the paper is worthless. It's supposed to represent something, but what it represents doesn't exist. And there are people that want to feel like they have a religion because they have a salvation because they signed a piece of paper. Only they're going to find out that it, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, church family. You don't get this on paper. You hear me? You get this in your heart. You get an experience that is not natural. It is supernatural. Jesus said, you need to quit worrying about me. He's trying to tell you, I, it doesn't look, sometimes things don't look good. You know? He didn't look very good that day. He didn't have his, his uh, best look going on that day. He was beaten and he was bloody. And uh, he was going to be hung upon a cross. And, uh, and yet, he'd already in his mind been through all of that. He'd already prayed well ahead of that. And he prayed for the church and for those that would be given and that they would be kept. And even to the point that he looked at the man that would become the apostle Peter and said, I prayed for you, fail not. And that when you're converted or when you're changed from this natural thinking to this spiritual way of thinking, that you'll strengthen the brethren, that you'll be able to convert people and help people. And I'm trying to tell you, church family, Jesus was well ahead in control and ahead of the situation. And the, the people that can pray the prayer of faith, the people that can lift their hearts with their hands and touch the Almighty, and those are the ones, friend, that are in control and know where they're at in God and know where they're going, know where they've come from. And they're praying. They're praying for themselves and for their children, whether it's their children or the children of the world, praying for them. Because they need it. Because we're living, we're not, we're not in the time back then when they were prophesying forward. We're living in the times of the fulfillment of the prophecies. Didn't it say in one place they they were concerned about the prophecy, whether it was meant for them, you know, and it wasn't for them. It was for us that would come after them. And we we have the fulfillment of prophecies among us. 
and those others are coming to pass, the ones that concerning the end of the last days. They are coming to pass rapidly and quickly. And we must sit up and we must take notice and we must be prayerful. Prayer meeting is important. Pre-service prayer is important. Uh, services are important. Everything that the church is doing to be involved in is important. It should take the, the highest priority. and You have to fight for that. The devil is going to resist you every day and every step of the way. Just like gravity does. A child trying to get up and to walk and get one step in front of another and he falls. And, you know, there's things that are going to be there to try pressures that are going to try to drag you down and knock you down. But you've got to get up again and you've got to go forward until you gain your balance and gain your strength and gain your direction and putting one foot in front of another and, and doing the right thing. Let me tell you, if you've got such a uh, feeling and unction about you that you want to dance, then I challenge you to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I challenge you to get in a service and worship God that you'll dance a dance that will strengthen you spiritually, get you headed in the right direction eternally, and that you won't be doing something that is fleshly and provocative and going to get you involved in things that are going to hurt you and destroy you and just mess up your life. That's the kind of dance you need to be learning about. That's the kind of dance that you need to be doing. And everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. And I'm not interested in putting our dance on YouTube. I'm interested in then coming out to church and getting it for real. Right here. Amen. Praising God. Feeling the power of the Holy Ghost. Getting moved to repentance. Baptism in Jesus' name. And receiving the free gift of the Holy Ghost. Get involved in the right things. Hear me now. Get involved in the spiritual things. Get involved in the things that strengthen you, that cleanse you, that encourage you, that heal you and bless you, and that got you on a path that's going to get you to the world to come. Not like that fella that was begging in a, in, in a place where it was stated plainly that there's a great gulf between where you're at and where we're at. And you know what? That gulf gets wider and wider. Because the church is moving on in a spiritual direction. And if you don't get with the church, get with the body of Christ, you're going to find yourself left further and further and further behind. And Jesus is shouting out to you, weep for yourselves and weep for your children. Realize what's going on. And while they're young, and while the cement is still wet, you want to make the right impression. You want to do it while you can. Let's stand together. Let's lift our hearts with our hands and let's worship and praise God this morning. I thank you, Jesus Christ. And I bless your holy name. I thank you for the truth of heaven. I pray for myself and for all those that are here. You will help us, God, to fight back against the forces of hell and darkness. We will take control of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit. And we will touch the Almighty. Oh, Lord God, we beseech you to touch each and every one here today. Jesus Christ, let's worship him. I'm chasing after you, yeah. no matter what I have. 